0: Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pro Choice OH. Enjoy the show.
1: Hi, I'm Gabe. And I'm Brooke. Welcome. Brooke Cardas, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, You have headlined two of our comedy events now, Um, one uh, a couple years ago out at Signature Wines and then one just this past week at Ace of Cups. Um, How's that working for you? (laughs) It's worked really well.
0: I love doing comedy for a good cause. uh, I know. Obviously, I'm really supportive of the organization and um, there's really nothing more welcoming as a comedian than going into a space and knowing you're performing for people who are 100% on your side. Yeah. Um, and the groups are always incredibly supportive, and also I can say whatever I want, uh, which isn't always the case in all right. comedy shows, but it's really nice when you can just be yourself.
1: Yeah. And and not only was this, um, this past event 100% supportive crowd, I mean, it was hundreds of people. It was hopping. It was yeah. packed.
0: It was packed. Um, I think the total was it was over twenty two own
1: um, wow. It was over two thousand dollars. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I think we raised twenty three grand. Twenty three grand. Uh, twenty three hundred dollars <laughs> the other one. It was like did thousands. you sell a BMW on the side? <laughs> <laughs> we we raised twenty three hundred dollars. Um we we split the bake sale money. Oh, uh, got with, to with Planned Parenthood. So they came away with a couple hundred bucks. So um some great volunteers made uh cunt cookies. Delicious. Uh, <laughs> Delicious in every form. Um uh, but yeah, it was a great event.
0: I think um my favorite part of the event was uh something I have not seen and I've done um uh, events for pro-choice organizations th- throughout the country. And my favorite thing was the thank you cards, thank you notes for the people working in clinics. Yes. And those were my favorite because I, I, we think a lot um, about the people who really need services and, and need health care. And sometimes we don't think about those who who give it and who do so much every day. And I thought that was such a nice thing. And full disclosure, my thank you note was like, ridiculous. I was very emotional. I was like, you are the heroes of the world. I was sober, I swear. And I was like really <laughs> in it. So I thought that was a really nice touch. And, uh, for anyone listening out there who works at clinics, thank you because it is, I'm sure brutal and we need you. So yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, it was terrific.
1: Um, how did you, how did you get started in this? What's, what's your story
0: in politics or in comedy? <laughs> Any of it. Um, well, I started in comedy. Uh, because I was my undergrad was an opera performance. I was a singer and I really missed performing. Um but I was not I was a good singer, but I was not great. And I knew very quickly I wasn't going to make a living out of it. Um and comedy was a really good way for me to stay, you know, to to get that performance bug out, mm-hmm. but I was terrible. I was so terrible at comedy um because I was still in the closet when I started.
1: So is, are you from Ohio? Is this in Ohio? I'm from
0: New York. So oh. when I started, um, I was in upstate New York and I was terrible. Like I could not tell, I was dating a girl and a woman and I was telling jokes about dating men on stage. So I was like, oh, I'm dating this guy and I'm giving her a blowjob." Like I was mixing up my pronouns. It was a nightmare. Like <laughs> it was just, I was terrible and I moved here and I went to, my first week here, I'm, I went to the Surly Girl Saloon R. I, Surly I love Girl. the Surly Girl. Oh, the Surly Girl Saloon for an open mic. And I went up and I did the same thing. I was I was screwing up my pronouns and I was clearly gay. I mean, I was like Rachel Maddow haircut, like in a blazer, like just hot mess.
1: I got to figure the crowd at the Surly Girl probably could figure that out. Oh my and gosh. Was ready to call you on it. Yeah,
0: they knew. So I got off stage after my set and one of the female comedians who is still a good friend of mine, Aaron, she was like, you're not fooling anyone. We all know you're gay. Do you know you're gay? <laughs> and I was like, oh, so bad. You know, it was so embarrassing. Um, but that's, you know, so Columbus comedy became my home, you know, for comedy in my home base. But it also became my my friend home base. And I really got to know people who's just, you know, it wasn't that they didn't care about what they said on stage. But they knew being themselves and being the most authentic version of themselves is what would make them funny. And that's really when I came into my own as a comedian, too, when I stopped lying um, when I stopped trying to make sure the audience wasn't uncomfortable and really focus on, you know, what I want to say.
1: Okay. Um, so, so this wasn't anything that you, that you developed in New York.
0: No, no. I, um, worked, uh, uh for a, a couple different things. I was obviously an opera singer and worked uh, at an opera company for a couple of years. And then I got into personal training, um, and was a professional, a professional personal trainer and corporate wellness coach for about five years. And uh, I was training transgender clients at a co-ed gym, and my boss uh, told me to stop. And he told me if I didn't stop, I'd be fired Um, because he didn't didn't want those people in the gym. So I consulted an attorney who was one of my clients, actually, and she, this was 2007, she laughed in my face. And this is in New York State. The attorney laughed? Yes, and was like, there's no protection for trans folks. Um, You're not going to be able to keep your job if you fight this, like this isn't a winning battle for you. And I said, fuck that. And I dropped, I resigned within weeks and moved to Ohio so I could go to Ohio state for law school. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I did. So I just was like, this is stupid. And I can't believe I live in one of the most liberal states. So now let me move to Ohio and <laughs> right. get my law degree You're and what I can do.
1: I'm going to Columbus. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. So, so I moved here to pretty much go to law school and, um, try to actually do things uh, that help the community Because it, it's it's stupid But for some reason people listen to you more with a, with a JD behind you know Or an Esquire after your name And that's dumb, but that's the world we live in So I knew that if I wanted to change something I could stay in wind pants and be a personal trainer the rest of my life And <laughs> I looked good,
1: but uh, it wouldn't have changed anything I'm picturing Abby from Broad City uh, having to like you pick nailed up it. all the towels.
0: People always are like, what was working at a gym like? I was like, it was just a lot of windpants and fisting. Like it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't that great.
1: Um so so you're telling uh, you're telling jokes on stage now. Um, the surly girl is uh, yeah, and making a face. I'm so sad. <laughs> I know. So, so for those who who never got to go to the Surly Girl, um, it was one of Columbus's uh, great kind of dive bars, and the uh, the entire place was um, covered in cowgirl uh, kind of old pinup posters, Annie Oakley, um, and then like random chandeliers. Like it was just the so great. great. And so we we all miss it. We
0: do miss it. Yes.
1: Um, it was great. Uh, but so, uh, but so in that, uh, in that venue, I mean, that's, that's a liberal audience. For sure. Um, was, would you consider that to have been, a, you know, feminist jokes that you were telling? Cause your show that we saw last week was really kind of a feminist show.
0: Yeah. I really, it's funny to me because, um, I, I for like, I don't realize um, how un- unapologetically feminist I come off? Like I don't. I and, the, and I I've noticed it more and more. And I have looked back on my videos, and you can kind of see the evolution. I think when I started, um, it was certainly there. And I think now, um, with how I how I've changed and how I've grown, mm-hmm. my. Comedy probably to most people might seem like radical and you know super queer feminist off the charts, but for me it's just my life. So it's really interesting because I I have trouble defining my comedy even when people ask me to for a bio or for a press kit and I'm like well it's just you know it's my life, right. but um it is it's really difficult for me to leave it out. And I, I when I started I did, I tried to leave politics out of it, but what we have to remember especially I think as as women and Um, is anyone who's in the movement, uh, however you define your gender, is that um, our lives are political. Like, they are political because the choices we want to make are we're not allowed to make or are kept from making because of legislation. So I think that's what's really important is, like, I when I started, I was like, I'll just make it about dating. Well, I'm dating women, so that's inherently political. Gay marriage was illegal. Right. Um, there's no uh, statewide protection for LGBT folks. Uh, there's no federal discrimination protection. So, so I can't help it. Like, I wish I could not be political on stage. When I started, I wish I could have, you know, but but I couldn't right. because because everything, my life is political. Uh, you know, not having access to birth control it was political, like that's political, but that's also my life. So I think it, it right. really, it's impossible for me uh, to separate it. Well,
1: yeah, the, I, I think that's good. And, and I think you've done a, a great job with that because, you know, honestly, uh, a, a year ago when we were planning our first event, um, they, uh, our, uh, our team said, oh, we're going to do a, a comedy event. It's going to be feminist comedy and I swear to God, you know, and maybe I owe people an apology for this. I was like, really? Feminist comedy? <laughs> Is this going to work? Right. Yeah, no. You it's know, a, it's a weird thing. You're talking about apologizing for being political. And I think to your, you know, a more mainstream audience, that's, that's the apology that you make. But I remember seeing... Previous comedy shows where somebody would have to go on Facebook the next day and be like, "We're well, sorry that so and so was thin shaming," and I was like, "Oh, Jesus. oh
0: my God, I will never forget that." Yeah, that was great.
1: <laughs> I'm like, if people are upset about, you're at a comedy event, you've got to kind of just chill out. Also, thin
0: shaming to me is also like, I just feels like reverse racism, and I can't buy it. So I'm like, no, you're you're the majority. Nope, you don't get that. Um, that's not how this works. Um, but I think what makes Uh, comedy especially of the lineup that we had at Ace of Cups last week and the lineups that I try to really involve myself in is um the even if some of the language or some of the topics are difficult for people to tackle by using comedy they're approachable and that's where like to me uh you know the humor part comes in because sure like we're tackling really difficult topics like I'm not here to tell you how you should feel about something, but I'm going to tell you my experience with it. I'm going to tell you the humor that I found in this situation, and it may resonate with you. I mean, when I get off stage at a comedy show, a regular comedy show, in Columbus, Ohio, inside 270, so like pretty liberal, right? Yeah. And two women in their 30s come up to me and say, oh my gosh, you're the first lesbian we've ever met. Like, I can't believe you. You're so normal. And I'm like, oh my God what did you, are you serious? Like where you live? And they're right. like Hilliard or something. No, I'm just kidding. Not Hilliard. Um, maybe, maybe Dublin. But so what's interesting to me about that is like they, maybe their experience with me was maybe they were slightly offended by some of the things I said in the conversation we had, they never complimented my comedy. Um, they compliment, <laughs> they literally complimented my hair. So they left and went to work on Monday and said, Oh my God, we met the coolest lesbian. And Like I, that's fine. I don't care. Whatever you want to say. But if that was like their interaction with someone who is different from them, that's a win for me. So if I come off as a radical queer feminist who's too much for someone, I'm still okay with that because maybe it's moved them on the spectrum of acceptance a little bit because I seem approachable because I'm a human being. And like, that's a minor win. I mean, to me, that's all you can expect from some people. But I think like it, it does... It is a win, and of course, like they were like, oh my god, your hair is so shiny. How did you do it? And I was like, oh, I just cover it in honey every other night.
1: Like, screw you. I'm not telling you what I do to my hair.
0: You don't deserve it, you jerks.
1: Um, you know, I I see uh, national comedians who all the time. Lena Dunham is, uh, you know, she's not doing stand up, but uh, you know, she's writing comedy. And I feel like uh, standing back from a you know a straight white guy's point of view. I see Plain Parenthood bragging about Lena Dunham and then everybody in the you know, feminist discussion online is like, oh my God, Lena Dunham's horrible. And I'm like, fucking pick a side already.
0: <laughs> oh my God, yes. Well, there's so many, I mean, there's so many brands of feminism and like I, uh, when I was in law school, uh, I took her in a really amazing class with an amazing professor, um, Arthur Chamalas, who's still at Ohio State and was one of the best professors uh, I've ever had. And, and if you can take class with her, please do. And uh, a class with her on feminism what was interesting is we went through all the phases. You know, there's so many versions. There's some the original, you know, first wave, second wave, third wave. There's so many versions, and I think we see in our in our liberal bubble we see those those versions clashing, right? So I started to identify really strongly as a sex positive feminist. Well, that doesn't mean I like sex, and that was really difficult for a lot of the guys in law school who were like, "We are sex positive feminists, right? Oh, that means you like doing it," which is awesome because they were apparently they all sounded like twelve year old boys in my head, um, but. You know, whatever brand you identify with, I think you have to make this space for what you know for for everyone at the table. And I think we s- have seen that in a lot of the events and movements since November, where you know there has been some clashes. Right? There's been some clashes at the Women's March, and there's there's clashes of intersectionality and, and addressing and acknowledging that every brand of feminism, if it's accepting, uh, welcoming, and not judgmental, is welcome at the table. Then we're fine. And I think that that is something. Um, we can continue to learn from the other side of the aisle because you know what Republicans. <laughs> you say what you want about Republicans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When it comes down to it, they band together. We've seen that. We've seen oh, them band to together. Insane. It's terrible. Yeah. They band together. They will throw their scruples and their they will throw scruples. I'm my grandfather. They will scru- <laughs> they will throw their values out the window. Yeah. And they will ba- they will ba- like just band together against us. And that is so to me that's alarming but that's also something we can do and we should do because the bottom line is we are stronger together and i know that's so cheesy but it it's so true and like if if we if we spend another think piece on thought catalog talking about how <laughs> pussy hats weren't welcoming which they're not and i understand the concept we will literally drown in our own thought pieces. I the, yeah. I just want to burn oh, elephant journal to the, the ground. The safety
1: pin, you know, should yeah. we
0: wear the safety pin or should we not wear the safety so pin? So much safety pin talk. Just
1: use it to hold up a brooch or something and let's move <laughs> on. I love a good brooch, but who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, somebody, one of our volunteers got me a, a pussy hat, and so I've been wearing it around the office because, you, you know, it, this winter wasn't, you know, it didn't really need it because it's been been roasting. But my boss uh, was uh, laughing at me and I said, what? It's soft, pink, warm, and six inches deep. What's not to love? <laughs> it's perfect. It's all the things I need, need yeah. and want. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I was
0: at, a, I emceed a town hall for the Ohio's 15th district on Wednesday night for Steve Stivers, ah. our congressman who decided not to show, which is shocking um, that he didn't come. And shocking, shocking. we're all shocked, Shocked. but uh, we had a cutout of Steve. How fucking
1: cowardly is it uh, that members of Congress won't show up to talk to their own constituents? Own
0: constituents. Well, yeah, and of course he called it a democratic rally, which I can't, Um, like also that's just not a thing. Uh, But we had a cutout of Congressman Stivers and someone put a pussy hat on it, on him, and it was just so great. And I was like, this is, you know what, this is what, if he walked in with, if he actually walked in and he had that pussy hat on, riots. It would be amazing. Yeah. Literally people would be screaming in the streets and voting for him, but he just can. he can't. He can't, cannot vote. Um, his conscience. So I think, you know, banning, I think we are seeing in the movement, and I'm sure you're seeing this in events you're going to, and you're seeing this in the state house. more and more presence, more and more people showing up, and more and more people wanting to be involved. And I yeah. think... I think, taking that energy and wanting to be involved, we need to add to that, wanting to be unified and
1: wanting to be involved. Uh, and
0: And that's the key.
1: yeah, now, turnout for for every event this year has just been incredible. So uh, have you been have you been keeping an eye on the stuff down at the state house? all of all of the shit? All of
0: the shit. You know what? I have no, probably not done as good of a job as I should. I have some friends at the State House who really helped me out. Um, so if there's something going on, I panic and I text them and they fill me in. And I, and those, those texts are so valuable. Um, and I know that when we, uh, at an event last week, we were talking about the resurgence of the heartbeat bill, which is alarming. Mm. Uh, but there was a more interesting bill you just mentioned to me before we started recording that I'd love to talk about. If you want to talk a little bit about that gem. Yeah. Senate bill
1: 28. Senate bill 28. Um, is, uh, is a, a, uh, reintroduction of the idea that following an abortion, you have to bury or cremate the remains. This is the, uh, you know, need to throw a funeral for a fetus. Uh, it, it doesn't actually require funerals, but it does require burial, which is totally not necessary and comes with enormous expenses. So, you know, you're creating an undue burden. So is,
0: where is it in the Statehouse House right now.
1: Uh, it just got uh, its first committee hearing, so we heard sponsor testimony.
0: Okay. Do you know who's sponsoring it? Um.
1: Uh. Joe Eker.
0: Okay. Um. I was yeah. wondering. I just like to get their names yeah. out there. And I. Don't and know. there's
1: there's a federal version of it. Pat Tiberi. Uh, of course. Uh. Yeah. Congressman Tiberi. Tiberi. Uh. He's he's the. Uh, sponsored the federal version of the bill.
0: So what's so interesting about that is I know that they did pass a version of this in Texas Yeah, um, and they're getting a lot of pushback from funeral directors. Have you heard about this? No. So funeral directors are like, Hey assholes, you didn't (laughs) talk to us. First of all the, fu- the the death business is really tight-knit. funeral directors i mean you can see, they stay in the family right like there's i mean it's yeah. like you know Amagon and Sons which is the one in Buffalo um i know Amagon it's so funny A M I G O N E am i gone that's yeah. the, it's, seriously it's not even a joke but so um the funeral directors are like hey you are putting this on us like this is unfair to us because a funeral homes don't just, you know, many of these organizations don't just do funerals, right? They do the disposal remains, the cremation, things like that. So there's going to be people coming to these these facilities, needing these services and not being able to afford them. And these funeral directors are going, hey, Texas, if this is really about what you say it's about, right. why didn't you consult us? And I, I think the same thing's going to happen in Ohio. I mean, they they're trying to pass these undue burden laws that do not even consider... And they're passing them under these gui- the guise of whatever, whatever excuse they're giving for this now, health concerns, whatever bullshit they're saying. Right. And they're not actually thinking about the impact this has on the woman, let alone the ancillary organizations that this affects. And these funeral directors were like, we're not doing this shit for free. This is their living. And there right. is no one to pay for this. Right. So what are you actually trying to do? Like, yeah. be honest and just say you hate women Just say it I would If you just said it I'd be I'd just be more thrilled about it Like if you want to shame People for having sex oh, I'm sorry Shame women not men Just be honest Get a bumper sticker Get a t-shirt But don't lie to me And don't
1: think I'm dumber than I am can you picture John Kasich walking around with a t shirt that says, I hate women? Oh my
0: God. It would
1: be it would be, so awesome. He'd be at the state fair, like, yeah, I have. Oh a my God. Dog yes. And I hate women.
0: Walking by the pigs, like, yeah. just like hanging out, judging people. Yeah. I, it would be so much more accurate. And that's <laughs> what I hate about these bills. I hate about the consent bills, right? Um, for what? Uh, consent of the father? Are you serious?
1: Right.
0: The, oh, okay. I'm sorry. What, what is that? Who is that for? Because I have no idea. Who is this actually protecting? It's not protecting anyone. It's destroying the privacy of the woman in the situation.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you you mentioned the heartbeat bill. If if it doesn't have exceptions for rape or incest, and it doesn't, you're forcing women to have the rapist baby.
0: Right. I mean, and and that's how we
1: should be talking about it. You know.
0: Absolutely. And I think um, I was having a conversation uh, actually with my girlfriend, um, and I kept calling, um, I kept referring to sexual assault. She said something really interesting to me. She said, You know, in the state of Ohio, there's no such thing as like a sexual assault violation, right? I was like, What do you mean? She's like, It's rape. It's rape. Use the word rape. And I was like, Wow, this is really fascinating because I think there is a sanit- sanitization mm-hmm. even when talking about these exceptions. And what I really enjoyed seeing from so many organizations is the use, br- using the words that are in the statute. Use the word rape because that's what it is. Right. That's what you'd be charged with. And if you can be charged with rape and then the person who you victimize is now forced to have your baby. Like that, there, ha- right? You have to use the language, and that kind of ties back to comedy. I was talking with another comedian about it. It's our it.
1: comedy episode. Yeah, rape.
0: <laughs> um, so positive, but um, we were talking about talking about. Oh my god, we were talking about talking about meta, um, how to discuss rape on stage, and right. this is what we are talking. We are saying, you know, you have to use the words, and that's what I. Even in this movement, I don't want. I I really try to avoid the words like, well, it can be a sexual assault. No, rape, incest. Like, use these words because they're powerful and they have a lot of baggage carried with them when you use them, and that's important because realizing there's no rape or incest exception. Regardless, even if there was one, I still it's still a horrible bill. But if like that's what if that's what needles into someone enough for them to understand how much this is a violation, then let's use it. Yeah. We do have jokes, I promise. Like, this is funny. It was so hilarious. <laughs> ah, Ohio State House. Ah, <laughs> eh, shit. Oh, the Ohio State House. Good times. Great marble floors. Really worth the money, you know? Yeah. Good to see what they're investing in.
1: Built by slaves.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a historic building, and I don't know if you know this, speaking of uh, fun things about the Ohio State House, it um, because it's a historic building, uh, it can circumvent some ADA codes, uh, so it does not have to be up to standards for access to people with disabilities, which is amazing. So if you have a disability, you may not be able to get in the state house to testify about a law to help you with your disability. So fun. Did you know that?
1: No, I didn't. I like
0: to keep it up, you know, keep it <laughs> positive. <laughs> Cheers. <sighs>
1: uh, yeah.
0: I'm full of sad information. I really am sorry about that. Yeah. Law, the law school does that, you know?
1: I'm, I'm sure
0: you get so sad.
1: I'm sure. <laughs> Cheery. I was always sad. I was raised Catholic.
0: You, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, happy almost Lent. It's getting exciting. Uh,
1: I I think is is Ash Wednesday and Saint Patrick's Day going to be the same? So people will be walking around with the. Uh, oh no! Wednesday. Oh, so Ash Wednesday is so we'll, we'll release this Thursday.
0: So Ash Wednesday was yesterday because oh, we release this Thursday. Yeah, never mind. And then um St. Patrick's. Areas. I was not
1: the best Catholic in my parish. Yeah, wow,
0: rough go. You were raised Catholic too? Yes. Oh, nice. I was just telling someone um that they don't know what like what Catholic means until you <laughs> until you've been in a rosary making club in your youth, which people don't <laughs> believe me, but I was in. I was in a rosary making club with all of my first cousins. Club? Oh, yeah, it was after school. This wasn't just like homework. No, no, no. You so, joined a club. Oh, yeah, it was all my cousins. We'd meet my grandmother's back um back room. She had one of those brown shag carpets, so you'd be putting the beads on, and, like, you'd lose it in the shag carpet, and you'd have to, like, run your hands. And then, of course, you'd step on it. It was like stepping on a Lego. It was terrible. So we'd make these rosaries, and then we'd bring them to the priest to bless because really anyone, you know, you could take, like, this mechanical pencil, and if it's blessed by a priest, I'm pretty sure it's a rosary. Like, the rules are pretty fast and loose. And we would go and get these piles of rosaries blessed and then we'd ship them overseas. And I never really knew what they were for. But um, my my family said they were for like martyrs overseas or something. I don't know. I'm sure they were just like shipped and like left in a box. They there.
1: arrive at some parish in Italy. The kids take them out of the box. They have the priest bless them and then they ship them back.
0: Exactly. It probably. Keeps it keeps on. going like some horrible circle. But um, yeah, I have I have carpal tunnel from all those beads. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that was a rough upbringing. I was, it's really funny to me because I will never forget my aunt's. Um, designing posters for the pro-life rally in D.C., the rally, what is it, Rally, rally for Life yeah. or whatever, um, the anti-choice rally. And I, um, she had the rose, that the anti-choice rose symbol. It was like, you know, that that was kind of their symbol in the 90s. I don't mm-hmm. know if it still is. Um and it kind of looked like a Beauty and the Beast rose, like it like the, it was just this like disembodied flower that was like here, and it was like supposedly represented life. And um she had them all over her house, and I always thought they were so cool because they looked like Beauty and the Beast. And when I was a kid, I didn't really know what they meant. Okay. And now I and now I'm like, wow, like what a good brainwashing tool. Like I had no idea what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, my whole family uh, was very, you know, very anti-choice, and it took me. Going to college, coming out of the closet, uh, going back in the closet in college because uh, my friends didn't like it, and then coming back out, uh, and then my mom didn't like it, so I went back in, and then coming back out, and going to law school, and really kind of figuring out who I was before I realized, like, oh my god, I mean, I don't, I don't know how any feminist, even if you define it as Kellyanne Conway defines it, <laughs> um, could could be anti-choice because regardless of how you feel about it, it's not your fucking call, right. Like, that's it.
1: Right. <laughs> like, the whole idea of feminists is women should get up to, to make their own minds. You can't do that if you're controlling the decisions that they make. Right. Like, it's I, It's not compatible.
0: Right. And I, I guess that for me, I really struggle because I'm like, I don't... I am such a... I'm so lucky to not have needed the services that so many of my friends and so many of my colleagues and so many of my the people in my life have needed. I've been really lucked out. But... I would be terrified if I didn't have access to those things. And and one of my professors in law school told a story about a friend of hers from high school. She said we were rich and white, and she just went away to Europe for two weeks and came back and didn't have the baby anymore. Hmm. She said that's what they did back then. And and it, and she said, you know, I never knew any friends who weren't so lucky because we were wealthy and we weren't in, you know, But but she said, but I knew it happened. I knew you know, that not safe abortions were happening, that illegal abortions were happening, and all these laws are doing, they're not stopping abortions, they're just making abortions less safe.
1: Right. Less safe, um, more expensive for some women, completely inaccessible for others.
0: Yeah, I'm like, oh, great, yeah. Seriously, if you're going to put a clinic two hours away, right, you might as well put it in Europe. Like, th- there's... And trying to understand that for people, that, like, access doesn't mean... um you know, making things at every corner that access means literally making it reasonable for people to reach. I, there was a, a tweet someone put out that was like, if men uh, were the ones that needed abortions, you could get the morning after pill in a vending machine. Yeah, And it was like this. I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad. Yeah. But like if there's condoms in truck stop bathrooms, I don't want lip gloss in mine. <laughs> I don't. That's what I understand. Women's. Oh, my God. You got to go. Go to a truck stop bathroom. Check it out. It's like lip. We get like lip gloss. And like terrible tampons, terrible, that just look literally like a roll of toilet paper you're supposed to stick up there.
1: (laughs) And then like men have like condoms and lube. I'm like, oh, cool. So you, great. You're all set. I've never seen, I've seen the condom machines, I've never seen the lube. Uh the ones that we get are uh cologne and it's like Ooh, whatever yeah. the cologne that Amway was selling in 1975. Stallion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some sort of yes. Something John
0: Stamos would have worn when he was Uncle Jesse on Full House. Yes. You know? That's exactly right. That's Which, what they like, sell in our bathroom. As a sidebar, he like lived in his brother's basement. <laughs> Dude, we never like that was he was <laughs> a total loser and like no one ever talks about it.
1: I mean it was like the most expensive real estate market in the country, though. So oh my god, that's true. You're right. And he was he was probably chipping in on rent, and it was like three hundred thousand dollars a month. <laughs> oh, I know that house was ridiculous. Yeah. What did Bob Saget's
0: dead wife do? Like, what did was she an heiress? <laughs> like, they didn't cover that, but I
1: they understood the Olsen twins would someday cover. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that was their that was their angle. They just paid the minimum on the mortgage and knew that the girls would grow up one day and make it, and make it nurses. happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my god, yes My kids watch that show now And it's just, it was bad the first time It's worse the second time Oh, Oh,
0: when you know when the sappy music starts Where oh, they're having yeah.
1: like the heart-to-hearts Oh, me and my wife like do a scramble run To find the <laughs> remote, we're like, no, 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 no,
0: no <laughs> Yeah, because sometimes the messages are super weird I feel like when sometimes I look back on shows Or even when I look back on anything I'm like, wow, this is super terrible And not a message I'd want For anyone to hear Yeah, You know? Like, oh, they're so good. So <laughs> slut shamey sometimes. It's like, wow, this is amazingly terrible.
1: Yes. It is terrible. Um, okay. So so this was our hilarious comedy episode. I
0: know, we were really funny.
1: Yeah. Like I wasn't that funny. Rape and I
0: know. Sometimes the rape. law gets the best of me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always tell everyone, if you are listening and you need birth control, I have three prescriptions. <laughs> Uh, at different pharmacies throughout Central Ohio, that I'll be, I'm stocking up. I don't, uh, I'm not using it, but I will sell it to you, straight ladies, at a cost <laughs> when you can't get it anymore because of fascism.
1: So you let me know what you need from me. You told that joke on stage, and like half the women were like writing <laughs> it down. It's terrible. It
0: was, terrible. Oh, it was Brooke, such a good Brooke idea. Also, just to do it, just stock up on it now because that's crazy. Um, I mean, I went to my uh, OBGYN recently and they were really pushing the birth control really hard. And I was like, that's very, very nice of you. Um, Are you nervous it's not going to be available soon? They were really on it. So go team them because they were great. Um, But I was like, I'm good. I got like 14 prescriptions. I'm totally fine. (laughs) Just don't look me up under Roberta Cardis somewhere. You know what (laughs) I mean? Roberta is like my name, my... Sometimes I use it when I order Chinese food if I want to feel crazy. Do you have a fake name you use every once in a while to live it up at Starbucks or anything? I don't. You need
1: to get one. Everyone needs a fake name, like yeah. Crystal with a K. No, and like I, my wife would find out that I'm using a fake name somewhere, and then just the questions would never end. That's true. That's totally fair. Yeah. I'm I'm weird enough that I, I mean, <laughs> you know what
0: I mean, that my girlfriend will understand. Yeah. So that's too bad. What
1: do you mean you have a fake name? What
0: <laughs> you like? Who's Jessica?
1: <laughs> she ordered Chinese food for us. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's the last so. thing I need. Exactly. Um, well, normally uh, we end our last segment. Uh, let's get it on by Randy uh, singing uh, the Marvin Gaye version of the song. If you would care to sing, let's get it on.
0: Oh, I cannot <laughs> sing. I am terrible at singing. Um, now I was much better at it when I was younger. Now I just sound like a man, a very raspy man. I really like listening to this very sexual mic. It's very sexy when I yeah. get low. Good Isn't work. it sexy? Yeah. Let's get it on. <laughs>
1: That's perfect That'll do uh, How can folks uh, How can they find you What do you have upcoming
0: um, So I will be at Shadowbox Live uh, At Lucky Ladies At the Backstage Bistro On March 21st um, I have a bunch of other shows Coming up at Shadowbox In Columbus In Yellow Springs I'll be um, On the Queer Queens Of Comedy Tour We are t- doing an Ohio tour In early May So um, If you want to keep An eye out for that Check out Okay, B-R-O-O-K-E C-A-R-T And if you cannot get enough of me And want to hear more of my feminist ramblings Please buy my album It is on the iTunes store Under Brooke Cardis Or you can look up the name Which is Size L for Lady
1: Nice
0: Yeah, it's very classy
1: Shadowbox, where is Shadowbox now? Shadowbox is
0: in the brewery district Okay, So it is right downtown Columbus um, Right by uh, Rock Mill Brewery just moved there. South Front Street. Yes, right on South Front. And so get a beer at Rock Mill. They're not paying me to endorse it, but I like their beer and come to Shadowbox for a quesadilla okay. and some comedy.
1: So that is uh, on March 21st. Um, so our episode's airing on March 2nd. Tonight uh, is the Women Have Options Bowlathon kickoff party. Woo! Um, so if you want to do the women have options bowl you don't need to go to the kickoff party But it's going to be at pins, uh, which is where i joined my pinball league.
0: Oh my gosh. I want to go
1: Yeah, uh, you can play some duck pin bowling Um meet some other folks if you need to join a team. It's a great event. Um, uh for all of these, uh infos in the show notes um, march 7th in cleveland is the Stitchin' bitch with the feminists if you, oh,
0: <laughs> you know what you say whatever you want about us liberals we know how to name an event yeah
1: we really do yeah uh stitch and bitch uh at prosperity so um for this we're asking that you email annie uh up in cleveland to get some info um because there's crafts involved so they need to know how crafts. much how much crafting material crafts. to bring yeah um March 25th is the swap for our sisters. Supporting women have options. Uh, they have all of our good events in the calendar this week. Um, so this is uh, the thing where you bring in a bag of your own clothes, mm-hmm. drop it off, give them 10 bucks, and then it's all you can carry out of other people's clothes.
0: Oh, that's cool. So I've
1: heard of these events. I've never been to
0: one. I, I haven't been to that one either.: This would be probably good for me to get to stop hoarding clothes too, so that would be probably healthy.
1: Yeah, spring cleaning uh and then the april twenty ninth uh women have options Bowlathon. uh so that's when the bowlathon is uh and we're gonna have lobby day coming back in april uh date time info all of that is still t b d but uh keep that one uh people should take paid time off if you have it from work to join us on that day absolutely
0: yeah, and if you can't, you can do so much. You can call uh your representatives and you can do so many other things. Uh, I know that it's really difficult sometimes for people to take off work, and um, you can always stay involved, even if you are limited by your socioeconomic uh, challenges with work, is how I like to say it.
1: It's true. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, that's the show. Thank cool. you for coming.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that I can make so many jokes. You know, it was
1: just so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely have another comedian on who makes more jokes and less, and less legislative humor.
1: No, it's was terrific. And we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.